Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Deconstructionist Podcast is produced by Nicholas Rowe at the National Audio Preservation Society Recording Studio in Newark, Ohio. Follow us on social media at www.thedeconstructionist.com, on Facebook at Deconstructionist Podcast, Twitter at Deconstructcast, and Instagram at Deconstructionist Podcast. If listening to this podcast has benefited you in any way, please consider making a donation. The donate link is in the show notes, or you can visit our website and click the donate tab. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. My little Matthew McConaughey right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Adam Narlock. And I am John Williamson, and this is Christmas treat number two. Number two. This is going to be one of those ones that fans of Rob Bell and uh, people that follow Pete Rollins also will be very familiar with this little Christmas nugget. But uh, I think you're going to get your minds blown wide open. Yeah. This is a little different route. So last week we had N.T. NT Wright, um, you know, a little bit more of the traditional Orthodox uh, Anglican bishop kind of route. Um, this week we're going to take in the other direction, and uh, this guy's going to give you a little uh, unorthodox, uh, non-traditional approach to Christianity in general. We kind of covered a gamut of topics. So Yeah, we did. Wasn't necessarily based on Jesus, although we did have him riff on that a little bit at the end. We but- did say this was going to be Barry Taylor on Jesus. <laughs> for Christmas. And we did talk a lot about Jesus, but yeah. listening to Barry Taylor talk, the guy should just charge money yeah. to let people listen to him just talk. Oh, the accent alone. Again, this is probably part of the, the top five accents we've had. Oh my gosh, man. And his stories and his insights. This guy yeah. is absolutely monumentally brilliant. Yeah. And his upbringing or his, his start into Christianity and into becoming a theology professor because he teaches classes occasionally at Fuller uh, Seminary. He's unreal. The dude started on a tour bus because he was a roadie back in the 70s for Bay City Rollers and ACDC. Yeah. Oh, his stories. Uh, This is, um, when we get to do, you know, it's great. I love getting people like, you know, N.C. Wright and, you know, we had Rob Bell on. We've had uh, lots of brilliant authors and thinkers, but you know, honestly, it's these lesser known types that we usually get more feedback on because people are like, what the heck? Yeah. This is going to be one of those times. Oh, for sure. Because I remember doing this, you know, uh, however many weeks ago and us both just looking at each other going, 
What? Whoa. So fasten your seatbelts, guys. We're not going to do a long intro for this one. Barry Taylor is just Barry Taylor. And, you know, look him up. And what, what do you got about him anyway? Uh, just, you know, back in the 70s, like I said, he was, uh, he, he converted Christianity on the Highway to Hell tour. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> Ironic, maybe a little. <laughs> so great. But uh, yeah, um, and then he ended up getting his PhD in pop culture and theology. Like I said, he, he currently uh, teaches classes. He, he speaks all over the world. Um, you know, he's, he's, written, uh, he's written a book and he's working on another one right now, some yeah. memoirs. Um, just super, super cool and uh, really touches on philosophy and stuff like that, um, but combines it in a weird way like Kierkegaard and Bob Dylan. Um, and it has a big church uh, out in L.A. Um, he was originally ordained as an Episcopalian priest mm-hmm. and then started his own church. And he get, gets all sorts of eclectic people. And Sunday he does, service? Is that what it's called? Sunday service? I think so, yeah. And he does really bizarre kind of like avant-garde um, church services. Mm-hmm. And, he wear, and he, we were just talking about this before we recorded. He looks like Roger Daltrey from The Who. He really he looks like a British rocker for sure. And he plays guitar. And he does. At his church, yeah. Man, this is, this, is a, cool. this is a good one. This is those kind of, uh, you know, off the, off the beaten path perspectives that uh, I really love bringing to the table in this podcast. He was fun. Yeah. Let's yeah. let him have it. <laughs> here we go. There's really not much more we can say. No. Just let, uh, let BT speak for himself. So here we go, guys, with Barry freaking Taylor. Taylor. Taylor, thank you uh, no so way. much. You're the one and only. We've been waiting to have you on. This is uh, this is like Christmas for us, and it's uh, it's in December, so that works. Yeah, it's uh, Christmas all year round when you're talking to me. Apparently, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This is going to be a gift to everybody that hears it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, one of the things that we like to do at the start, especially if the guest is uh, first time on our show, is kind of start out with uh, a little background on our guest and uh and yours is particularly interesting in your kind of path from um from your youth i guess you could say to uh to uh becoming a theologian so i wonder if you could kind of yeah. start there and just tell us a little bit about how you were uh your race if it was particularly religious and how you got into the work that you're currently doing okay um yes well as you can tell uh, i'm not american um my mother now thinks I'm, my mother now thinks I'm Australian because I've lived here too long. But I'm actually uh, English, and I grew up um, in a decidedly um, non-religious uh, environment. Really, not necessarily antagonistic against religion. Just religion didn't factor um, at all. Um, nobody really in my family, um, apart from my grandmother, had any kind of religious affiliation or association or um, interesting, including me. But, um, you know, England has a different kind of approach to religion than the U.S., so there's not the whole deal of separation of church and state, and part of education involves religious education. So I was exposed um, to um, information uh, about Christianity, and at school we used to have um, religious services uh, every week, but it was something that you just 
accepted as part of the fabric of life, but didn't really pay uh, any attention to it. What I did have, though, was um, a sort of lifelong interest in questions that do wind up in, in, in the realm, really, of the theological or, or the religious you know, issues and, and questions about life, meaning, ultimacy, all of that kind of stuff. And, and I was always uh, curious um, and, and attempting to work to work out what I thought about those, but it, but it didn't occur to me um, until much later in, in life that uh, religion might have something to say uh, about, about that. And so, uh, you know, so my, my, my sort of formative years were, if I had any religion at all, it was music. And, um, that's where, that's where I, I sort of encountered any sense of transcendence was in, in, in music, not in religion or anything like that. So I didn't think about God or, or transcendence in, in, in terms of religion or anything like that, but, but I did have a deep, uh, love of, um, music and it and its effect on me which i think is interesting later because i i think in some ways that both contributed to and problematized issues around transcendence for me and and, and how you think about that but but anyway yeah so um but and, and and because because of uh my love of music i sort of wound up essentially um involving my life in music and, and I got involved in the music business. Um, I was in bands, I, you know, and stuff like that, but, but I was also, um, I did like, you know, technical, like roadie work and stuff. And so, uh, I started touring around working with a lot of bands and then eventually I wound up working, um, with ACDC <laughs> and it actually it was what, and it's while I was working with ACDC that the, the turn towards religion began for me. Um, I think, you know, you frame it different ways uh, at different periods in life because you, you only have the language available to you at a time to express it. So so when I look at, back on it now, I think that um, it was it was the start of something, not necessarily uh, the, well, yeah, no, maybe that's good enough. It's the start of something. Sure. And, um, and that start, that start was really, predicated on on the fact that um I, I was really trying to work out how and in what way i could become and be what i i thought was a, a better richer human being yeah and uh and, and part of that was because i mean you know on one level the stories that you hear sort of about you know sex and drugs and rock and roll are it, it can be very stereotypical and it, it usually is told in tales of excess. And of course, all those things to some degree are true. And, and there is a lot of sex and drugs in uh, rock and roll. And, and there's a lot of um, excess, but it's also happening with ordinary people like everybody else who have to work out how those things make them feel or, um, what they think about those things personally. And for whatever reason, um, I just found after a while that I was a little troubled inside by the kind of person that I was becoming. And it wasn't really 
the externals. I mean, you know, I, 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 to be honest, you know, I, I took quite a lot of drugs and I indulged in a lot of things, but, but I wasn't so much worried about that. That I actually thought was uh, a manageable component of, uh, of my life. The, the, the thing that was really starting to bother me was um, the internal thing. I, 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 I just had this sense that, to be honest, I was becoming a bit of an asshole. <laughs> And, um, and, and so, you know, this is a tangent, but, um, somebody asked me a couple of years ago, what my one, uh, one leadership value is. And, and I said, well, every day I try to be less of an asshole than I was yesterday. So That's I'm still working one, on that one, That's a good but, one. but, um, but, 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 but in terms of, you know, because the, the, the interesting thing about rock and roll is, or, or being on the road with a band and stuff is, you know, you show up in. You show up uh, on everybody's favorite night of the year, basically. You show up to throw a party for people who've yeah. been waiting for, for, for this experience. And um, sort of all bets are off, you know. And it's very easy um, that, that, you know, it's very easy to get what you want from people and, and people are willing to give it. You know, it's not. Uh, I, so um, I think I just, I, I don't know why. Um, I, I just didn't like how I was becoming. So I decided that I, I really needed to find, and I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of like changing my life, particularly in, in terms of vocation or any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to be, I wanted to feel better about myself as a human being. Mm. So I went back and I'd always been reading, but I just, I started to dig a little bit deeper and uh, I, I sort of turned back to one of my first interests, which was uh, philosophy. And I sort of took note, perhaps for the, the first time, seriously, that a lot of philosophy um, really, in some ways, engaged with either with critique or rejection um, of, of religion. Absolutely. And, so I, just, and, and I, so I just found myself asking myself, well, what do I, actually, what do I think about religion? You know, mm. it's almost a tangent, like, you know, well, I guess maybe I've never given that any thought, so mm. I, I'll start to give it some thought. And, and, what, and, and I'm a bit... I'm one of those people that, that when I get on a jag, I sort of go down the rabbit hole fully. Mm -hmm. So I just started to, to kind of read really expansively, essentially just to get a handle on what I thought about a subject that I'd really given little credit to. And, uh, you know, so I just bought a bunch of religious books and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and it wasn't even with a thought to embracing anything. It was just to, like, work out what I thought. But the more I read, the more I thought, well, maybe there's something in religion that I actually need in terms of um, this whole notion of becoming a better human being. But then I didn't know what that might be or where to find it, you know. So I looked through all the usual kind of religious stuff. And I sort of waited, really, to be honest, I waited till the end to get near, anywhere near, like, Christianity. Because, A, I figured I knew that. Yeah. E be my only reference point was my grandmother. And I figured, you know, if I'm on the road with a rock and roll band, anything my granny's doing can't be that cool. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, and, and, and I just presumed that because I'd had like religious education that I really understood what Christianity was about. But eventually I, I, I actually bought a Bible and, you know, I'm on the road with a band and, and I just, I bought a lot of different books about religion and, you know, holy books or whatever. And, um, so I went out and I bought um, a Bible and I just kind of went through it systematically. And because um, I'm like that. And, you know, yeah. I thought it was, 
to be honest, I thought it was kind of insane. Um, <laughs> it is well, insane. Because, you know, you have, you, you rem- yeah, it is. You know, you remember, you remember things that you're told, you know, it's all about Jesus and all that stuff. And then you read the Old Testament and you go, wow, this is like, there's some angry stuff going on here. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and, oh, and there's one other, there's a little component that I'll come back to that's another, uh, another, uh, a little catalyst. But anyway, I, I, I went, essentially, I, I went through the Bible from, from cover to cover. And it was when I got um, into the Gospels that, that I, I was sort of, I can't say arrested, but I was quite taken with um, the person, the, 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 the Jesus that I sort of met in the Gospel stories which seemed to stand a little bit in direct contrast to my experience of that in religious classes and mm. notions that I had about, you know, that kind of wet, soppy Jesus, you know, who like pets babies and, uh, <laughs> He's know, got like, fe- like feathered only, flowing hair. Yeah. You know, like the only long haired person that grown ups like, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, um, and 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 I was and, and what I was, but what really struck me was uh, the the human aspect, and that's really where I got um, taken was by the, the the this sort of idea of um, I mean it was much more naive than you know it's like decades ago so I, there's a lot of there are layers and layers of theological reflection on top of it now you know but. But essentially, I just was really uh, taken by the sort of raw and open humanness that I found there. You, you know what I mean? And sometimes when I go back and read those stories, I'm surprised that I found so much there. Yeah. But at the time, at the time, there was this kind of visceral humanity that kind of spoke to me in, in, in a particular way. And it was like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And it wasn't anything particular. It wasn't like an otherworldliness. It was actually, and it was, it was sort of predicated on, I was really sort of struck by the way in which Jesus seemed to respond differently to situations and circumstances than the other human beings around, particularly if it involved somebody's brokenness or shame or pain or their need for protection, their need for protection. And, um, that really um, took me. And so um, essentially, to cut to the chase, after a little while, I just decided that I was going to try and model my life on a few things that I picked up in the stories personally. And I sort of made that my personal code to live by, which essentially was to kind of be less judging less manipulative, uh, more generous and kind-hearted towards people that I encountered. I mean, it was really that, it was that sort of um, naive and primal. But it was also quite transformative. Right. And it happened, and it happened really, it, it happened independently of any association. I hadn't been near a church um, the only thing, the only thing I, I, I left out of that story is that what actually led me in the end to to the Bible was I met this girl in Texas, 
at a concert, you know, one of those, one of those stories. And she happened to be in a Christian cult. And, I don't want to say too much about it because uh, <laughs> I have a book coming out next year. No, but... Um, <laughs> but Perfect. Actually, I do. Actually, I do. I don't mind. I don't mind saying about it. But, but it was one of those encounters that that really uh, took me by surprise because this girl wanted to pray with me before we had sex, and uh, it was the first time oh, yeah, as sure. an adult anybody had ever sort of wanted to pray for me, and I didn't know where to put it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I mean, the prayer. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was a joke. Um, oh, and, yeah, we um, got it. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. It took a second between here and Columbus, I think. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, so that, that that was like so. That's what really sort of um, pushed me towards really thinking about it because that uh, and that's a very abbreviated thing. That's a big story in and of, uh, in in and of itself, but. But something in that encounter just sort of pushed me towards rethinking what I thought about Jesus and a whole bunch of things. So, so anyway, that's kind of where I started. And I did that for, I don't know, just a year and a half, a couple of years, uh, uh, before I ever came into contact with a formal sort of church or anything like that. And that's that happened when I sort of, when I moved to California and spent some time here with some friends and they happened to go to church. And, and to some degree, it kind of uh, all went a bit wrong there for a while um, because I was sort of told that everything that I'd garnered from my experiences was pretty much all wrong. And I had it all wrong and I needed to reshape and reframe my life in a particular direction, you know, which was now I look back on it, you know, it was just formalizing a religious experience, you know, through the through the lens of Christianity, as many people have done. Uh, and so I, I, I did that. But um, to some degree, my my theological journey since then has essentially really been about the undoing of those things and the rediscovery of what it was that drew me there in the first place, yeah. which was this encounter, which was this encounter really with a very sort of materialist interpretation. Uh, of uh, of Jesus and, and consequently Christianity and Christian religion in in, in general, and uh, it, it, and it was questions about those things that sort of led me to theological education and then sort of exploration and then teaching, which is sort of what I do now uh, amongst a few other things. So, and, I, and in some ways, I, and in some ways, I'm still asking the same questions that I was asking way back then. Well, that's beautiful. That's that's great. I mean, asking the same questions. I, I feel like, I feel like our show is all about that. I mean, it's like you know, myself, John, so many people we've had on. There's like this common theme of like, I thought this, and then I learned this, and now I'm undoing a lot of that, or deconstructing it, or whatever, and now I'm asking yeah. this, the same questions, but I'm a different person now, and so the same yeah. the same questions need to keep being asked because we change. Absolutely, and and you know the the, the tragedy the, the tragedy to me is that somehow that ha- was lost um, as, as a sort of option in modern Christianity. The assumption was you kind of got it all sorted out, right? And you knew you knew you knew you knew the whole plan, 
and you just went with it from here on out. And that's you know, and that still seems to work for some people, but it doesn't for most people. And the opportunity, I, I find that a lot of people find themselves kind of adrift because mm. rather than being a place, rather than being a place where theological reformation or reinvention or recapitulation goes on, there's no place for it because much of modern Western Christianity is settled on a particular ideological construct that doesn't have room for the ways in which people change. And Man, that's uh, good. That's good. And, and the ways in which, um, you know, questions need to be asked. You know, when you live in a, a, a religion of answers, it's very difficult uh, to have your questions heard. And when everybody's running around, when everybody's running around telling you that they know how the world works, um, you're essentially supposed to embrace the answers that are given, and they're meant to settle those questions. And, and I think, to be honest, that the question of what it means to be human is a question that only gets refined when it's asked over and over again and lived out again and again and again, and you come to the end of um, one thing and need to move towards uh, another, you know? So... Dude, that's that is, what comes into that. That is so good. You know. That is awesome. Um, we want to talk about some of the stuff you're hitting on with, like, you know, that human aspect of Jesus, that humanistic, sure. materialistic. We want to touch on some of that. But could you just give us a little taste, give our listeners a little taste of some of your theological framework right now? Just a little smidge, just a taste. Um. In, in, in what way do you mean that? Like where like, I'm coming from? Yeah, kind of where are you where are you coming from? I know you're you know obviously involved in you know radical theology and you know you're friends with our friend Pete Rollins and you know I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard you with Jack Caputo and I've heard you with Trip Fuller and you know that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be new to a lot of our listeners maybe not all of them but yeah. just maybe share a couple things that you think uh, you know are kind of some things that you're kind of working out right now or some things you're interested well, in from your perspective. Yeah, so um, I, I think, well, the main thing that that that, I, that I've been working on in 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 so where, where my so where I differ, say for instance from Pete, is is that one of the one of the big lenses for me has always been uh, culture. Oh. So I, 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 I've always sort of been involved both personally and, and then with broad interest in, um, in culture, both in, in, in terms of uh, structure of culture and society, so, you know, whether it's technology or ideology and things like that, but then also the artifacts of culture, like, you know, art and music and, and fashion and, 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 and stuff like that. So a lot of my theological work has kind of been at the intersections of, like, theology, faith, religion, and culture and how that, that how how that plays plays out so, because my my interest really is, is both personally and and in terms of the, the the larger sort of questions of how and in what ways the worlds in which we find ourselves impact the way we think about the sacred the divine about god about religion about belief and and, and about faith so um, that my, my trajectory has been, been along that that pathway, and um, you know I start when I, when I eventually 
when I so when I wound up getting involved in the church, I think I sort of started where where most people did. In fact, Pete and I have very similar backgrounds. We were both in sort of quasi charismatic independent church environments, you know, where there's a whole lot of action going on for a while, but eventually you kind of see behind the curtain and uh yeah. and you move on. And and you move you move uh through stuff. And so I I, I would say so for me, every like I guess it's like probably about every six or seven years, there's usually some event that either occurs or that I cause, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> healthfully, sometimes healthfully, sometimes unhealthfully, that, that brings about a, a sort of shift in the the framework and the grid that, that I work from. So um, I, I, I've basically been processing through Christianity and like like you probably and as you said most of your listeners come to the end of a lot of uh religious encounters in terms of how I thought they were working for me do you know what I mean oh, and, then asking the question, and then sort of asking the question well is there anything next what you know where now what now what should I you know what do I think now how do I think now you know and and that sort of led me really um Back to, it, it's funny, um, some of the things that, so my interest in, in philosophy has never, never abated, and and it's always been a part of the fabric of my theological work. Sure. So, um, in fact, Pete and I met because uh, he was the only person I'd ever met that was reading Zizek, so he was the first person <laughs> I could talk to about, and, and we were both reading the same book, and it was on the basis of that that we we sort of started up our, um, our our friendship, you know, through those, you know, deconstructionist um, philosophers, Derrida and, and stuff like that. But I'm more of an Italian philosopher. Pete's big on the, on, on the Frenchies. He likes, you know, Derrida and Lacan and stuff like that. I'm more of a, a Vatimo, um, Umberto Eco, semiotician kind of guy. So, um, <laughs> but, but anyway, so... So really, where 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 I'm kind of at today is, is I'm uh, I'm sort of working out and working through, and, and in some degrees, with, sort of with Pete, really, uh, in a kind of collaborative way, really sort of thinking through a different kind of approach to to um, theology. And personally, I'm sort of working out uh, what I'm calling a radical theology of culture. Okay, and. Sweet. Uh, but um, but really, sort of thinking about um, how and in what ways you uh, find your way to uh, a meaningful relationship with yourself, with the world, with religion, with theology and stuff through the lens of radical theology, you know. But um, I'm not really like you know. I'm a bit like you know. Jack talks about you know. After the death of God's theology, I'm sort of, I think I'm kind of one of those people uh, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, I've done a lot of kind of deconstruction. Now, you're the deconstructionist, so I've done an awful lot of deconstruction. But <laughs> deconstruction, not deconstruction, not not destruction. Do you know, right. you know what I mean? Yes. I, I yeah. guess, and I think there's a there's a very big difference. And, I, and, I, and I've always said that, you know, Derrida is always pushing you sort of forward to, yes. what, to what's to come. You know, it's, Deconstruction is about breaking through, yes. not just breaking, not just breaking down. So I've done a lot of 
that kind of stuff. So it's pushing theological horizons and and kind of where I guess where I'm at is uh, is I'm a, I'm a, a sort of fairly uh, materialist and imminent view of religion and Christianity at, at, at the moment. Um, Excellent. And uh, you know, so I I, I think a lot of it for me is it, it, a lot of it has to do with inversions. Um, so, for instance, one of uh, it, it's interesting how um, you read something and then you read it again, and and so one of the the like one of the initial turning points back in the day when I told you that I was reading about um, Jesus and and really valuing the, the sort of humanity that I found there was. Um, I, I, there was the story in the book of Luke of, you know, the the woman who comes to wash Jesus' feet when he's in the house of the Pharisees, mm-hmm. and it was it was a it was a line in that in that story that uh, made me decide to choose a particular pathway with uh, with Jesus. It was one it was one line, and it wasn't even a theological line. It, it was just it was a sort of acting direction. You know, there's that moment where where um, the woman's washed Jesus's feet with her tears and the Pharisee says to himself, well, this guy's obviously not a prophet because if he was, he'd know who it is that's touching him because she's a prostitute or sinner. I think he's a sinner. And then Jesus asks the Pharisee a question about debt. And then there's this line and it says, looking at the woman, he said to the Pharisee. And I read that line and, um, the drama of it, you know, so he's looking at the woman, so she's unavoidable because all eyes in the room go where he's talking. And he says, do you see this woman? And um, and essentially the Pharisee couldn't see the woman because he was blinded by the label that he placed upon her. He didn't see a woman, he saw a sinner. Wow. And that was the line that, that, was the line that got me. So I, I find that there are these catalysts that, that, that happen. So... So part of the, the, the way that I got to um, sort of more radical view of theology was really quite simple. Um, the, and, 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 and funnily enough, in the Bible, you know, which a lot of times I think people think that, that I don't read it and that, you know, Pete doesn't read it either. But I think we do really, but on the down low, you know. Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I was really struck by, you know, like Paul's conversion. And yeah. You know, Paul's, oh, yeah. You know, or Saul's conversion. I always love that that painting by Caravaggio. Yeah. Uh, of the, the the conversion of St. Paul. You know, and the Catholics always put a horse in because they're not literalists, and the Protestant painters don't. You know, but um, but in, in 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 the story, you know, Paul gets knocked off his horse, and he he's blinded for three days, and nobody ever talks about the blindness that precedes conversion. Mm. nobody ever talks about the fact that you have to go dark before you can find light. And so I, I sort of took that as a kind of theological metaphor mm. and began to, to explore the role that the underbelly, the, the, the reverse side, that the dark plays in our, in, in our sort of journeys and stuff like that. So it's just these, these small shifts in the way I was sort of thinking and 
reading and uh, approaching how I was looking at religion, at theology, at, at church, at belief, and all that stuff. And, and trying to find, well, not actually trying to find room, making room for things that were previously uh, either frowned upon or overlooked in terms of their potential. So whether it was, you know, Pete talks a lot about the role that doubt plays. And, um, and, and, I, and I've done quite a lot of sort of stuff around those things too. But, but the, the, the kind of the negatives that, that we don't make um, room for that um, actually become rich sources of, of theological reflection, but they take you in different directions. Yeah, and absolutely. They give you a, and, they, and they give you a, like, I, I remember that there was this, um, you know Nick Cave, the, the oh, yeah. songwriter? Yeah, yeah. So, so Nick Cave did this uh, lecture for the BBC, um, and uh, he, he referenced um, a, a, a sketch by, by, that Rembrandt made of, of, Jesus on the cross between the two between the two thieves, and and Nick Cave was actually giving a lecture on love songs, and he said you should never trust a love that hasn't breathed the air of both good and evil, and he used that drawing as a reference and basically said that the the interesting thing about Jesus is the air that he breathed wasn't pure; it was the impure air of life that it was. Um, it was the air that in, that um, inhaled and exhaled both good and evil, mm. and I think sometimes for me the the, the role of um, radical theology is, is this um, entry not out of life but into life. Absolutely. And for me, that the, my, my my lifelong trajectory, which is, goes back to these questions that I've been holding. And the reason that um, radical theology, at least at the moment, or at least the interpretations that, that I have within that framework are working for me is because my theological trajectory has always been to get deeper into life, not to get out of it. And one of the struggles that I had for a long time with Christianity was its constant fascination with anything but life. Absolutely. How to get, how to get out of life, what to think about the afterlife. You know, or, or I know that's very broad and, 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 and very, you know, broad stroke, but essentially an escapist uh, form of religion. Totally. This, yeah, is how yeah. you get out, this is how you get out of the trouble that we're in. And for me, radical theology um, takes a different trajectory and it follows, if you like, it doesn't want to stay on the mountain. It wants to come down the mountain where, uh, where, life, where life is. Mm, so, yes. uh, so that, so that, so that's kind of where. So I'm very vague on. <laughs> on uh, I, 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 I'm very vague on the otherworldly aspects. So my 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 principal lens is imminent rather than transcendent. And as I said earlier, um, my my experiences mm -hmm. of transcendence um, it were experienced very early on through music and, and, and the arts, and they became problematic for me when I, they were given a kind of framework around um, a being, you know, God. That, that, that was always 
a bit of a struggle for me that that notion of this transcendent being God who knows all, sees all, and is is uh, all powerful. Um, I, I I struggle with that that transcendent. I don't deny uh, transcendence, but the transcendent a little bit more problematic. Um, I'm right there with me. you, and, and I. And I don't think much about, you know, I don't think much about things like the afterlife. Um, I'm with Simon Critchley on that. I believe in the afterlife, in that I believe in the life that comes after me. And I want to make uh, life um, a good space for those who come after. So that's that's the best I can do with the afterlife. Um, it's just not my, it's just not really my interest. I, I, it's not that I don't think radical theology can can't speak to those things. And I think, I think there are people that, that are beginning to um, sort of do that. But, but for me, um, my, my take on it is that um, radical theology really it, it is more a sort of critique of the idols that Christianity um, is devoted to. Maybe, mm. you know, yeah. Authoritarianism, literalism, maybe I don't know. You know, love of capitalism. I, you know, I grew up totally. left wing. What do you want? <laughs> but, you know, I live in LA. I, I live in LA, and I like. And I, I live in LA, and I like things. So, so you know, I'm a hypocrite. But that's all right. Oh, so, so I, I, you know, so so I, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. If that was even the question you wanted me to answer, but absolutely, um, that was that was great. That was brilliant. <laughs> The rapture happened, we missed our chance at heaven If the rapture happened, we should just dance together If the rapture happened, we missed our chance So since since uh, this episode is coming out in, in December, uh, especially around the holidays, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, touch on on the big JC. <laughs> so yeah, um, so we kind of are. Yeah, yeah. So through kind yeah. of the, the lens of of radical theology and kind of your perspective, what what role does Jesus play, and what what makes him so captivating that it uh, you know survived the ages and spurred on the, the largest religion on the planet, essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess you'd get a million, a, a lot of different answers, but but for me, um, it, it's it's. I, I have to say that um, the obviously in my own personal experience or my own personal encounter, it was the the human aspect of uh, Jesus that really struck me, uh, and I realize that for many people that. That they, they therefore assume. I just think Jesus is some great, you know, moral teacher. Although I don't think Christianity and morals are one and the same, actually. So no. but we can come back there later. But um, I, I think that what's interesting about uh, Jesus to me, and what remains interesting, are the the very uh, challenging notions that are thrown out there. You know, so. Unconditional love, yeah, uh, which, if you like, negates uh, all the attachments that that we feel are um, 
necessary basis for society. You know, so if you think about it, when you know, when Jesus tells you, you know, you got to hate your mother and father, um, it, 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 it's getting it's getting at something that that really rattles the nerves of how we form and shape society. Do you know what I mean? Or when he says, you know, love 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 your enemies. Um, well, yeah, but you know, safety is found when you know who your friends are and who your enemies are. Yeah, it's one of yeah. the sort of basic. It's a sort of basic, you know, social development skill is to to treat your enemies different from your friends because um, at least you know where the danger is lurking, you know. And and, and so for me, um, there, there there remains something um, about Jesus that that, that I think um, really challenges the way we frame out the way we frame our our existence, and uh, and and you know, fairly early on, I, I think I was kind of taken with this sort of idea of um, you know this sort of crucified Jesus um, who basically is abandoned and maybe then is um, an icon of powerlessness yeah. rather than power. Yeah. And and then the question but but not you know, it's all we can all go, Oh yeah, Jesus is an icon of powerlessness and then we can sort of try and utilize that uh, as a kind of power a power animal. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? But, yeah, but yeah. really to to sort of then think through the ripple effects of of what those uh what the implications of, of stuff like like that is. You know, this is coming out at Christmas. Have you ever heard that Jackson Brown song, The Rebel Jesus? Oh my gosh, yes I have, but it's been a while. Yeah, you know, so again, I think the the other interesting thing is that, uh, and I think sometimes this is, the importance of this is lost on a lot of uh, church people um, who feel that they own Jesus. Yes. uh, or, 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 Or that they want to own Jesus, is that Jesus seems to remain uh, a figure of currency within culture's ongoing struggle to understand itself, uh, usually divorced from the religions that that try and hold Jesus in a particular way, because those particular ways eventually run out of steam. And so Jesus generally gets reinterpreted most healthfully, I think, from outside um, those who lay claim on him. Uh, yeah, I, I've been beginning to see that myself. So in terms of Christmas, I guess where, where I would lay that is, is maybe um, in, in that, that idea of um, the, the wise men who come. You know, yeah. so, so, in, so in a sense, um, that they're, they're uh, naming something about Jesus that, that can only be named maybe from the, from, from the outside. And to some degree, I think, you know, John... Caputo talks about um, radical theology being, you know, it's the the haunting of confessional theology. It's that it's not outside; it's lurking in the hallways, haunting it. And um, I, I, I feel very much that um, we kind of need that right now. That that we we need some some ghosts 
to sort of rattle their their chains and uh, haunt the hallways of confessional Christianity and throw out some uh, different perspectives on how to think about uh, um, how to think about this. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, Jack does an incredible job of of drawing that out. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this because it sounded like you were saying it, but it, it'd be fun to have a little conversation about it here. One of the things that uh, I'm a pastor at my church, I'm a volunteer pastor and then doing this podcast, I love to just talk to as many people as I can about their perspectives and hear lots of ideas. Yeah. One of the things that just keeps coming up that I've realized, and you were kind of talking about it when we were talking about Christianity as escapism, and as this yeah. like lust for transcendence, yeah, and uh, that really takes you completely out of the world and it takes you uh, somewhere else. You know, you know, yeah. what, what's that old hymn? You know, on, on the, in the sweet by and by, meet on those beautiful shores sure. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and what I what I really see, and I'm drawing out of what you're saying, is that our inability to grasp whatever divinity we may be able to grasp at all. Our inability to get that is because of our total neglect of humanity, and and like you said, Jesus yeah, was I mean, Jesus was the human one. That was his title for himself, the Son of Man, the human one. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I understand. I mean, it's not you know. I mean, this is obviously a debate that's been going on in Christianity for a, a, a couple of millennia in terms <laughs> of how to understand you know the whole questions of divine nature and you know the various heresies and non-heresies perceived around how we interpret Jesus as both human and, and uh, divine and, and all of those kind of things. I, I, I just think that um, we've come through, uh, that we're in a period where um, the transcendent is problematic mm. as, as a given. The transcendent as a given is problematic, both for people outside of religion and increasingly for a lot of people inside religion. And, uh, and, and I think um, that is, is something that, that we really need to spend a bit more time thinking through and, and, and thinking about. Have you read um, Charles Taylor's book, A Secular Age? I've only read um, James Smith's summary. Uh, yeah, everybody says that. Everybody says that. Why doesn't somebody read the bloody book first? Uh, you know, because it's enormous. <laughs> that, that's why. No shit. Yeah. No, it, 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 it is. It, it, it is enormous. And, and it, <laughs> it, 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 I understand. It, and it's intimidating. I will but, read um, it eventually. It's definitely on my list. Yeah, because he, he actually tackles in, in, in there, um, a fairly, um, in, in, a, in a really good way that, 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 that sort of challenge, because he talks about us, you know, living in an imminent frame yeah. rather than a transcendent thing and the, the consequences that go along with that. And, 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 and I think, um, the, the, the sort of metaphysics around transcendence and, and, uh, all that kind of stuff are um, issues that a lot of people need to find some some new language for. Yeah, totally, and totally uh, agree. Uh, 
And I, I, I think, to be honest, that from my take on it, um, I think that um, Jesus and the kingdom of God is, in some sense, a pronouncement of the end of that kind of uh, metaphysic and that particular kind of transcendent view of the sacred, um, at, le- at least in the way that it's often uh, crafted uh, today. And uh, so, um, I, because I, I think the trajectory, again, as I said, is that the angle is is into the earth. And so, for me, it's the, 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 the becoming of an alternative community that's far more important than individual connection to some perceived idea of the of a transcendent god who exists in the sky if you like oh man if we're gonna you know if merry we, christmas if we, everybody <laughs> if we're gonna shoot the breeze <laughs> we're gonna talk if we're gonna talk lighthearted things, you know, we might as well just talk lighthearted things. Yeah, let's yeah. just go Charles Taylor's that, secular not, that, age, transcendence you know, that, and eminence. Let's let's do Edmund Husserl while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not you know, that's not to say and and, and 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 I don't mean to you know, I mean obviously uh there there are lots of nuanced ways of reading that. You know, um Jeffrey Robbins has written this new book on uh Radical theology, and 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 he talks a, a lot actually about sort of onto theology um, and uh, re sort of re looking at that in it, within the horizon of radical theology. You know, so I'm not saying that uh, you can't experience transcendence or have a transcendent view. Um, I just think we need to to look at how we're how we're how we're talking about these things. And whether or not within the framework of existence that we live, the way we're talking about those things uh, is as helpful or as meaningful as we hope it would be. And my, my, my instinct is it's not, which is why so many people are having trouble with uh, the religion that for many, is particularly in America, that they sort of grew up with that no longer seems to be working for them. And they're not quite sure what to do about that. And I think we sort of have to dig down. You know, a lot of people change the 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 form. You know, everybody everybody's up for like, you know, bringing in some smoke machines or you know, having a few dramatic this, that, or the other. But when it comes down to like really reframing theological concepts, deconstructing ideologies, um, addressing uh, or inverting and creating spaces where we give room for doubt, fear, you know, anxiety, and not with the idea that they'll be cured necessarily, but they'll just be embraced and understood. Yeah. You know, that th- those are the things that, that, that for me, um, at this Christmas time, <laughs> are really important. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only eighty. It's only eighty in Los Angeles today, so it's starting to feel like it's starting to feel it's starting to feel like Christmas, even as we speak. <laughs> We're going to have to find uh, one of our one of our friends to Photoshop a picture of Barry Taylor with a Santa hat yeah. on for yeah. when, when we release this. Oh, I think I can I can probably find you one. 
It's okay. Don't tell Pete, but we made a, a Halloween Pete picture. So, yeah. <laughs> Pete, that's Pete, that's is, Pete is Dracula. So, <laughs> I'm really quite fond of it. <laughs> we'll send it to you if you promise not to show him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a t- I'll get a t-shirt, man. Perfect. <laughs> Although Jay Baker did did make his promise to never talk to Pete again, so I guess we're already breaking our promises. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just jealous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I love Jay. Oh man, you guys are all such a blast. I think one of the best things about John and I starting this show is this just this this huge. It's like you just said the Christmas present you were talking about. There's this huge community out there ready. Not to judge you, not to rush you along, not to try to cure your doubts, but to just embrace you, listen to you, and invite you into the conversation. And you, you do, and you do an incredible job at that. Very everything you're doing, and, it's, and at Sunday service, and if John and I can get out to LA, can scrape some money together to get out to LA, we we'd love to get out there and just hang out with you guys a little bit, go to Sunday service, uh, and do all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, has, has Pete ever told you about our secret philosophical society? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I can't tell you about it because it's a secret. It's but, a secret. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> First rule of the secret philosophical society is you I'd can't to, talk about I'd have it. To kill, if, I told you, if I told you that to kill you, you know, it's like, like Fight Club, only one step further. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Well, uh, let's wrap up here. Do you have any uh, final thoughts? You want to, Any more nuggets? Any more juice you want to leave our listeners with this uh, Christmas season around uh, Jesus and radical theology or eminence or materialism, humanism, anything like that? <clears throat> That's a good one. Um, what would I want to say? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things to say. I mean, I, I think that... Um, it's Christmas. I guess we should talk about the politics of love. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, so so for, so so. I guess for me, um, the where where I'm at at the moment is is that um, I, I I read Christianity. I I, I read Jesus um, through uh, an understanding of um, the the crucifixion that is an invitation maybe to something other than the general preoccupation with individual salvation that it's become a, a totem for. Yeah. And I see it, and I see it more as uh, a symbol and an iconic signpost uh, to uh, the chance to become an alternative community that rattles the powers that be both in the church and out of the church um, and stands, as John Caputo said, practicing a sacred anarchy. Mm-hmm. So for me, Christian, you know, um, Christianity, I, I think, uh, I'll, I'll, actually I'll close with this. Um, in, in 1976, um, in, in England, I was actually on tour with ACDC, and when I left to go on tour, all my friends were listening to like the Eagles and uh, people like that. And when I came back, um, they were all punks, and yeah. uh, and uh, almost overnight, the the landscape of of British youth culture. 
changed and was impacted by by the very vital punk music scene that that emerged and 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 I think that within the horizon of popular music um punk was a, a moral cleansing agent it it, it, it challenged uh, it haunted the corridors of establishment rock and roll and it and it ghosted them with a, a memory of what um, it used to be it was radical in that sense and I think that uh, for me radical theology uh, has an element of that same kick down the door three chords and the truth primal attempt at saying you know we can preoccupy with ideological constructs or we can become uh, something other, a community of people or communities of people where we uh, celebrate and accept without uh, judgment and also without intent to shift or change um, human beings in the full glory of their humanity, in, in their humanity um, in their nakedness and shame, as well as giftedness and strength. And if that's not what punk is, I don't know what is. And on my bedroom wall, I have a quote from Joe Strummer that says, punk rock means exemplary manners to your fellow human beings. And to me, that's Christianity in a nutshell. Oh, man. Very freaking Taylor. Wow! Now, now I have to go find punk rock to put with this episode. Thanks. Oh yeah! Thanks a lot. That's good. That's good. That's good. It's hard enough to get permission to use any other kind of music. So, well, it's punk, so don't get permission. It's punk. That's a good point. That's a good point. If they sued me, that would be counterindicative of their whole message. So yeah, you're being a hypocrite. Exactly. Yeah, you're being inconsistent. Oh my gosh! Uh, this has been. An insane pleasure, and I think an absolute gift to our listeners. They're going to love this. Oh, my gosh. Um, before we let you go, though, um, you mentioned you have a book coming out next year. Are you allowed to hint at what it might be about or when it might be coming out? Yes. Um, it's, I, I'm not sure exactly when it's coming out, but it's a theological memoir. Killer. And I think, I think it's going to be called Sex, Sex, God, and Rock and Roll. Oh, that's awesome. So. We'll have to do another episode when it comes out, man. But yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it could be interesting. It's a, it's not a memoir; it's a theological memoir. So it's about uh, the triumphs and the tragedies of a theological life. <laughs> oh man, brilliant! Sign well, me, sign me up. What What is the best place for our listeners to go to to keep on top of what you're up to, and also obviously to uh, uh, to be alerted in terms of when that book's coming out? Um. Well, actually, I do most of my work on Instagram. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. I mean, I've got, you know, I have blogs and all that kind of stuff, but my Instagram is UK Bloke. I'm following you right, right now. So you, you can pretty much um, discover a lot about me from there. You'll find my shoe fetish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and so many other things. So, and, and there, you know, there's always links on there to other stuff. So actually, that's to be honest, that's the place where you're going to find out most about me if you want to find anything. Uh, you, just, you just picked up two, two new followers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! Oh, 
Well, well, thank you again so much. This has been uh, an absolute pleasure for us, and uh, we can't wait to have you back on to talk about um, some more uh, medical likewise. theology. That was so great. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you both. Merry and Christmas, course, Barry Taylor. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Or happy Christmas, as we say in England. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> God save the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hanging yeah, with no us today, man. Being. Bye. <laughs> All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. Jesus is the original punk. I envision it with a blue mohawk, personally. You know, if he was alive right now, no, he wouldn't have a blue mohawk. No. Well, maybe. maybe oh. he'd, be, he'd be hanging out in the streets, the mean, the mean streets. He absolutely would. And I think, um, I think this is a perspective that uh, it's been coming up a lot for me in my reading. Whether I've been going back through... Uh, I, re- I just realized that I never read uh, all of Jesus Wants to Save Christians. Like when it came out for some reason, I just never finished it. So oh, just, that's a good one. I know. So I pulled it off my shelf and I'm almost done with it now. And holy crap, it's really good. And mm-hmm. it's all about the abuse of power. And N.T. Yep. Wright's new book is about the abuse of power. And, you know, like when we were talking with David Cap, there just seems to be a lot of um, how Jesus and Christianity critiques power Yeah, that abuses and oppresses and marginalizes and excludes people. So Jesus as the original punk, um, you know, as a Christmas reflection, (laughs) honestly, right now, what an unbelievable reflection. Just think how weird it is that this king of the universe, baby in a manger, I mean, all of this pop culture stuff swirling around us from Charlie Brown to, you know, whatever else, to think just how backwards and weird and strange the whole thing actually is because it's a critique of everything you would expect. Yeah, this whole anti-empire thing yeah. you know, that began in the Old Testament and and pervaded the New Testament and was preached by Jesus, who was this anti-oppressive uh, system uh, guy and who's you know who would totally be a punk rocker now. Absolutely. Yeah, so that was really cool perspective by Barry Taylor and... Um, like really unconventional. I didn't really know what to expect. Me either. I just, I'd heard him speak. I'd heard him do other podcasts uh, when uh, that Morgan Freeman documentary miniseries, uh, Story of God, yeah. was on him and Trip Fuller did like a little like where they riff about it like after every episode, little <laughs> yeah. podcast and I listened to that and I enjoyed it. And when he was on Rob Bell on the podcast, on the Robcast, I really enjoyed that. So I've never heard him kind of say the same thing the same way twice. Yeah. So I knew having him on was going to be this treat where we were just going to get all this new material and uh, yep. he, he did not disappoint. Yeah, crushed it, man. It was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed that and it's always fun for us to mix it up a little bit. So we kind of intentionally sandwiched him in between uh, two guys who could not be more different, I think. Yeah, can't give away next week's treat. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we just recorded the intro and outro for that one and Goodness. believe me, Merry Christmas to you. Holy Moses. Yeah. 
literally. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be. That's right. You heard it here first. We got Moses. <laughs> yeah, freaking Moses. <laughs> oh man, good stuff, man. Yeah, this is fun. So, Christmas with Barry Taylor. Oh my gosh. And uh, so, as you guys heard us talking about in the episode, I did not get punk music, although I wanted to. Um, but I got a really cool band out of Nashville that are starting to blow up. And they're actually, uh, the lead singer is a friend of ours, um, AJ Babcock, who used to be in a band called House of Heroes. Like still kind of is, I guess they're kind of not super active, but right. this is his new band, uh, called Secret Club. And, uh, they have some really cool, um, tunes that sound kind of like a cross between like, uh, White Stripes or whatever that Jack White band is the, the one he did after that. I always forget. I always forget also. But kind of like a cross between that, there's definitely some punk influence and uh, some cool old school rock and roll vibes going on. So hope you guys enjoy that. As always, please, um, if you like the music that we play, um, definitely go tweet out, uh, message, whatever. Let let these uh, artists know that you heard it here and uh, go buy their music and uh, let us know if you guys know any other bands that might want to get some free airtime. <laughs> we love it. That's how I find music to play on this show. So, <laughs> hope your holiday season is going well. Hopefully, uh, your deconstruction is going well. Hopefully, your perspectives widening and uh, your bias is getting confronted, and you're getting to put your thinking cap on and not just um, you know read and hear exactly what you expect all the time. I think this this episode in particular is going to be very very good for that. So, uh, hopefully, yeah. that's going well, and you're doing it in community. And thanks for. Always turning, tuning in and listening to us um, do what we do here. We love that you guys are a part of this if you're listening. Thank you for supporting us, whether if it's just uh, by listening or by sharing it or by donating or whatever. Always feels like a great big hug to us. Uh, we often feel like we're pretty secluded down here in my dark basement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seriously, thank you guys for everything. Uh, we love the, the great feedback we get every week. And uh, as always, just to remind you guys to give you guys a heads up. Um, we will be taking a month off in January, beginning of the year. Um, we'll be back uh, some point in February. Um, but in the meanwhile, uh, we're going to get some much-needed rest and uh, start cooking up ideas for next year. Uh, but uh, continue to, to check out our, our um, social media. Uh, we'll still be active on there, and, and hopefully at some point next year, do like a little get-together and uh, see what, what other treats we have in store. So Should be good stuff. Yeah. We love you guys. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and keep deconstructing. We are your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock. And I'm John Williamson. Grace and peace. Just lost I'm not
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.